It turns out the Super Bowl audience was the largest ever, and the NFL kept rolling with the draft on TV and radio. All right, listen, I'm sorry. This one I do not get, guys. I, I don't get it. Michael Mayer's a terrific player. Don't get me wrong. Tight end, they traded away Darren Waller. I understand this. But that is nowhere near what the importance should be for the Las Vegas Raiders here, Mike. Chris Carlin, I agree with you a thousand percent. And Andrew, we'll talk NFL, ESPN, MLB, NASCAR, and more on the Marshand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. And we're back. I'm Andrew Marshant, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. John's in New York on location. John, what are you doing in New York? SPJ offices. I, you like the background, Andrew? There you go. At uh, One World Trade Center. Where you, uh, sports Business Journal has a sports business awards that we hand out at the end of May, and we're doing the judging for those um, on Tuesday and on Wednesday of this week. So that's uh, that's where I am. Coming up, going to dinners, going to lunches, doing some judging. I, you were out at dinner last night, too. Yep, good dinner with uh, Amazon, Tim Buckman, Harrison Raboy. Uh, some uh, good talk and uh, some good food after I went to there up front, uh, which is good. And let me just say, before we get to who's up, who's down, just know anybody who's interested in these SPJ awards, if you do not get picked, it's because of John. John's the one you should complain <laughs> to. He loves it. The more complaints, the better. So he, if you don't get it, just know John Oran. If you have trouble reaching him, I can give you all his numbers, his uh, his, his emails. I'll find his address for but you I, if you I want to. I have the Marchand rule. Like Everything's on the record. Come on and complain, but it's all on the record. All right, who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? All right, Andrew, lead us off on this one. My who's up is NBA commissioner Adam Silver. First off, right now he has LeBron James versus Steph Curry in the second round. That should be a ratings bonanza. Uh, he's guaranteed to have one of those guys in the Western Conference Finals. It's going to be a great story when they get there. He needs one of them to get to the finals. No disrespect to Denver. It looks like uh, they're going to advance to the Western Conference Final. But if you can get Steph or LeBron in the finals after this run, uh, that's going to be great for them. Uh, last Sunday, Steph's 50-pointer, uh, 10 million viewers, nearly 10 million viewers in that game seven, which is the most in like almost 25 years uh, for an NBA playoff game, you know, non-final. Uh, that's almost as good as a women's NCAA final. Uh, which, uh, you know, it tells you where how great the women are doing uh, in terms of uh, their ratings for college. But for Adam Silver, with the new negotiations coming up towards the end of the year into next year, and then new rights deals coming up, this is some good timing, it looks like. Yeah, no doubt. Well, my who's up, I'm going to go with the league commissioner as well, and it's Roger Goodell of the NFL. And that's because the NFL network was went dark on Comcast systems for a couple of hours on on Monday, Monday afternoon and, and Monday night. And what happened was that the negotiators for the NFL Network and the negotiators for Comcast couldn't agree on price and they remained far away on price. And so Comcast, you know, the contract was up. Comcast uh, was, let, let the channel go dark. Channel was in dark for more than an hour. And Roger Goodell picked up the phone, called Brian Roberts, not the uh, Orioles, former Orioles second baseman, but the uh, the head of Comcast. And these two industry titans 
rolled up their sleeves and got a good old-fashioned cable carriage deal done. NFL Network was on the next morning. It shows that when Roger Goodell wants something, to get something done, he's able to get something done. He plowed through the negotiations and, and they worked out a deal. I don't know what the, the deal terms are yet, but the fact that uh, NFL Network is back on Comcast and Red Zone Channel is back on Comcast shows that it was uh, pretty serious uh, for the league to maintain that relationship. That's incredible that Goodell did that. I think he makes, what, $44 million a year. Uh, great job for him rolling up his sleeves. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Brian Roberts also rolled up his sleeves. He's more, you know, he's much more. How much the, he uh, uh, Probably more than Goodell. Certainly more than Goodell. We have to look that up, actually. I don't know off the top of my head. All right. My who's down is Mel Kuyper Jr. Now, I love Mel Kuyper, okay? I loved him forever. When we talk about the draft, I'll, I'll maybe share a story. I think I saved Mel Kuyper's career at one point, um, which is uh, one of my highlights for me. Uh, but the TV coverage is not as critical. It's not as, you know, the way Mel Kuyper became Mel Kuyper was because he was questioning the Jets draft. He was questioning the Colts draft. And he gives you analysis, but it's not that same TV. Now, is it, do they give you good stuff? Yes, they do. And I still love watching it. ESPN Radio's coverage was hosted by Chris Carlin and featured his uh, ESPN Radio co-host, uh, Chris Canty, former Jet GM, Mike Tannenbaum, uh, and they all criticized picks. Like they just didn't say every pick was great, especially on that Raider second round, uh, moving up to get the Notre Dame tight down. Uh, it was really good. And that you could hear it. I mean, if you listen to that opening, that sounded like old school Kuiper. And so I just missed that. And it's, I know Seth Markman, who's the producer uh, overseeing uh, ESPN's NFL studio shows. He talked about Kuiper as a hall of famer, maybe, but, and I, so I love Kuiper. So it's not really, it's more of like this, how TV coverage is. I watched, um, you know, nearly all of it uh, and listened to it on the radio. Love the draft. We'll get into that in a little bit, but my who's down is Mel Kuiper Jr. All right, let's add a, uh, a topic to the pod. End of the pod, I want to hear the story about how you saved Mel Kuyper's career. So we'll, we'll, we'll save it for the end. And also, I just want to add one thing. It's not just Mel Kuyper. When you look at the draft, the, the draft used to be great because it was in New York and Jets fans are always angry and they hated every pick. Now, for some reason, all the fans that attend the draft, they seem to love every pick. You know, they, yeah, they know. Also, somebody's got to do a story about these people who, ha who like, feel compelled to dress up, which is fine in like their favorite Raider costume or Kansas city chief costume, whatever it is. I mean, this one was in Kansas city and then like they have the money to travel. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have the money to travel, but it's in the middle of the week. You're dressing up in your team. I just want to know what these people do. Like, I think it's a tremendous story. Like I went to a Tampa Cincy game in Tampa. A lot of uh, Bengals fans were on hand last year uh, to see the Bengals and the bucks. Uh, and I kind of wanted to, you know, I was with friends, but I sort of wanted to uh, ask all these people, like, tell me your story. Like, how are you able to just travel down here? And, and it seemed like they go to a lot of games. I talked to a couple of people. They go to like four games a year. It's like, it's expensive. Uh, they're not going to like if Amazon gets that flex schedule. I'll tell you that much. All right. Who's down for you, John? Who's down? I am picking the anonymous producer, uh, overnight producer for MLB.com who on a Saturday night when Oakland A's rookie Ryan Noda hit a home run, edited the video so the signs in the outfield that were uh, telling uh, A's owner John Fisher to sell the team or calling uh, the team president Dave Cavallo a liar were uh, edited out of, uh, of, the, um, of the 
highlights. So if you went to MLB.com, it just looked like any other game in, in, uh, in Oakland Stadium. What happened was that that producer made a mistake. Uh, Rob Manfred has been very clear that, you, that that's that's not how baseball does things. This this isn't a an MLB mandate to sort of you know to to, to strip those things out. Uh, when I talked to people at MLB, I was very heartened to hear that they included those signs on that home run clip just hours after uh, after the press came out, and it looks likely not to be done again. But I'm not going to review who did it, and I'm certainly not going to name who did it. But it is some sort of overnight producer that kind of did this by himself and it got rectified. Good job for MLB. Uh, and hopefully that producer uh, learned something from that. Yeah. Very positive. Who's down for you. It's like, well, they made a terrible mistake, but you know what? They rectified it. I was really heartened to hear that they thought their terrible mistake was not, you know, well, you know it was, it was just, it was just a mistake is all, right, all it was. I mean, the, the worry for decades about MLB network and NFL network is that these league owned entities are, would, you know, not want to show what they, they, they would do something like that and edit that out. And so that's always been a concern. And so when you see it happen, it's like, oh no. And baseball has made it very clear since then and that that's not, that's not part of what it wants to do on those highlights. All right. I may be in a mood today. I think I had a lot of coffee this morning. So I'm um, just like every, every little uh, comment you had, I got a comment for you. Let's keep it up though. Topic one, the NFL and kind of big news. I, I know it's better late than never. Uh, if you're Fox Sports, if you're the NFL, uh, but Nielsen messed up. Uh, I know there's some comments about Fox and like somehow it's their fault. Though Nielsen messed up, um, which is shocking. Uh, and they uh, uh, had the ratings wrong uh, for the Super Bowl. And now it's the uh, largest audience in the history of the Super Bowl for Fox Sports, which was with Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson after Joe Buck and Troy Aikman left. Uh, Tom Brady on deck circle. Uh, what do you think of uh, that number? And, and you know, what are your thoughts on that? You know what? If you go, uh, I'm going to take people behind the scenes of this pod. Uh, Nielsen almost was my who's down because I don't know how they can put this on Fox. It was a it was a Nielsen coding issue. Uh, apparently, what happened is that uh, the NFL Network uh, had a private stream. That they that that wasn't counted. I don't know how that private stream ended up getting adding a million extra viewers. But as Nielsen went in and saw the coding for that, that didn't work. It found other areas where the coding didn't work. Look, in in terms of what we cover, this matters greatly to the networks. Uh, they they really like the idea that you know they 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 can set a record with this. And the fact that they couldn't uh, boast about this right after the fact is it, it it um it was disappointing i know to not just like the suits the eric shanks and 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 uh and you know uh, mark silverman and and uh and zager but also to people in the truck you know to, to sort of every, everyday people last time fox set a record with the super bowl in terms of viewership they bought everybody associated with that super bowl crew a gift it's gonna be late in coming but uh they should be looking forward to a, another gift again i would think I hope it's not like Andrew Fergersi, their uh, PR guru, sending them cookies with pictures of uh, talent on it. It's something better than that kind of gift. I gave that gift away as, as like w within like a day of getting it. Who loved it? Uh, no, the person I had a neighbor. I just gave it to a neighbor. Oh, okay. Yeah, some people like to eat a John Smoltz picture cookie uh, or right. a uh, Kevin Burkhardt cookie. Chris Mason, can we bring up some... Uh, I don't want to call this breaking news, but we there's been a fluctuation in Marshan's 
Brady meter. Let's see, let's hear it, Chris. All right, Andrew, walk us through this. Is Tom Brady going to be doing Fox games going forward? Well, here we go. We're we're a year away from when he said he's going to potentially call uh, games with Kevin Burkhart replacing uh, Greg Olson on the number one team. So next year, we know it's Burkhart and Olson. Uh, then he has a 10-year, $375 million contract that he's supposed to start in the 2024-25 season. We have the Brady meter now. We're going to have to bring it out more and more. It fluctuates. Now, it was at 51% that he's going to do it to 49%. With the reasoning, it's so much money, he'll try it for a year. However, I talked to a couple of people recently close to Brady, and I kind of feel like I'm going more 49% chance he does it. 51% chance he doesn't. I don't think he wants to travel that much. Obviously, going to go private. I think Brady's a guy who, if he's in, he's all in. So he's not going to be showing up day of games like, you know, Joe Buck and Aikman do sometimes. Uh, he's going to be there early if he's going to do it. So it's a four day uh, event. Again, you know, Crimea River for that type of money for five and a half months. But um, I think, you know, he shares his kids with Giselle. I think that's very important to him. And he can make money elsewhere. Now, 49-51. Like, I think I feel like uh, John King. Is that the one on CNN? Yeah, yeah John, John King, King on CNN. And yep. who's our guy on NBC? Steve Karnacki. Yeah, Steve Karnacki. So I feel like one of those, I feel like those guys, 49-51, Brady not doing at the moment. Fluctuating. So don't hold me to that. We got a year. We have more than, we got a year and a half before he's actually supposed to do it. A lot of time to fluctuate back. But at the moment, um, 49-51. And those two points, those are a big two points because you go from over 50-50 to under 50-50. 100%. So that's the uh, Brady meter. I I love that you uh, name-checked Andrew Fickverisi. That was my uh, dinner date uh, on on Monday night, Fox Sports. Thank you uh, uh, for that. P.J. Clark, if if you must know. You went, while I was doing that, to an Amazon event. Um, What did you learn from that? Uh, It's long. Uh, That's what I... First and foremost, it was long. I knew I made the right decision, didn't I? Uh, no, I was good. Look, I think freebie is something that uh, that they're very interested in. But I think for our purposes, uh, you know, I think that Black Friday game is going to be in front of the paywall. So it's going to be available to anybody. And that could become a marquee event, especially for Amazon uh, kicking off the holiday shopping season uh, officially uh, that Friday, uh, three o'clock game. Peter King said it very well could be Eagles Giants, uh, which would be looks like that would be a very good matchup. Uh, and so uh, I, I thought that was good. Uh, they had the pregame hosts, uh, Carissa Thompson leading their like, you know, they go to each the way the upfronts for, you know, the people who have never been to the upfronts or the, what is called news fronts, uh, they have like each uh, group talk a little bit. My biggest suggestion to all these places is just, I know everyone wants to speak. It's a big thing. It's especially for the execs. It's in front of a big crowd. Um, it was in Lincoln Center. It's cool, but make them short, like quick, get in, get out. That's what we try to do on the pod. That's what you should do on these things. So I was a little long uh, and we had to watch uh, Rangers and Devils um, that night. The bottom line is, I think that Black Friday game uh, is something that they're going to point to. And then we get into the flex scheduling issue. Um, you know, I don't know. I've talked about this before. I don't know if Amazon is so into that necessarily. Not that they don't want it. If you look at it, it probably affect one game uh, a year, if any. Uh, and 
it's not going to really, it's going to improve a terrible game to an okay game, most likely. So for them, it's not that big a deal. I think that Goodell and company probably want it, boost those ratings, uh, which could trigger uh, some more money from Amazon into a playoff game. I think that's very possible. I don't know for 100%, but I think that's very possible. The reason why Goodell's so into that. Yeah, that's what I took from uh, the Amazon uh, event. I find that Black Friday game to be uh, particularly interesting. When they first started talking uh, with the NFL about that, uh, the idea was to uh, have it in Las Vegas, have the Raiders Black Friday, I mean, uh, the, uh, the their colors are uh, black and silver, um, possibly have the Steelers black and gold come and, and play them. They, they have a road game in, in, in Vegas. And I think Amazon ended up pushing back a little bit and saying, like, we need a quality game to make this a, a big event, not like a gimmicky game of like, oh, we'll just have, you know, uh, we'll have black, you know, uh, a, a team that's dressed in black. And so the idea that, that it could be like a Giants-Eagles or a top NFC East uh, 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 matchup is something that fits in with what uh, with what Amazon is is um, envisioning for that Black Friday game, like a really high quality game that people on a Friday will be going in and tuning into. My Steelers don't call them a gimmicky Steelers Raiders. I get it. The Raiders might not be good, but that's still that's not a bad game. It's not a bad game, but it's not a. It's. I mean, it could be a bad. You know, but it could be a bad game. That's the only problem it's, with it. It's like uh, John Madden said. Like, well, what? What's a foot? You, you just know, like. You have Giants, Eagles. That's a football game. You know, yeah, it that, feels like, sounds like a football game. A game in Las Vegas, that doesn't really sound like a football game to me. All right, so I I, I got to put my cards on the table, Andrew. I was watching the NBA playoffs. I was watching the NHL playoffs. I was watching Joey, Joey Ortiz make his major league debut with the Orioles. Uh, you were watching the the NFL draft. What, what, what do you think? All right, a couple of takeaways. Mike Greenberg seemed much more comfortable third year as the host. It seemed like he belonged more. Uh, I don't know if that was as much me or it's him, but um, just felt like that felt more natural than it did the first couple of years. Uh, you know, Trey Wingo was the bridge guy between Berman and uh, and Greenberg. Uh, and so uh, that felt more natural. You know, I said at the beginning, I'd like to see a little more critical coverage. Uh, I thought Lewis Riddick, this is what he's best at. Like he is really good on the draft. Like even when he does game analysis, he kind of does it from a player personnel point of view where he's talking about measurables and, you know, kind of like that's something that he needs to sort of be a little more conversational in his, when he does uh, as an analyst, but uh, he's very good on the draft uh, because he comes the closest to actually criticizing the picks. Uh, And, and like, you look at a guy like Booger McFarlane. I just think about this. When you look at someone's career, like Booger McFarland to me, like he does that ESPN plus analyst uh, job, uh, kind of the old Tom Jackson uh, position with Chris Berman. And that's kind of like, like, I think perfect for what, he, you know, he's kind of like, that's what he is like, you know, I know years ago, they, they had him as like the Charles Barkley of the NFL. And that, that I don't see that at all, but he's like a Tom Jackson, like a very good analysis, smart analysis, but not going to like get that many things that are going to go viral. So the coverage was overall good. Uh, NFL Network, look, Daniel Jeremiah's the best guy going in terms of the most accurate, uh, says things succinctly. And to me, he could probably be a GM in the future if he wants. I could see that in his cards. Uh, and they do a good job with it. I thought it was interesting, and I, I like your take on this. Why was NFL Network, you think, down, though? Their ratings were down this year in terms of Nielsen. I know you're I know you're no Austin Karp, the uh, SBJ ratings guru, but you got to take on why NFL Network went down and uh, ESPN and ABC went up. 
Yeah, the, the, we need Carp's Corner here. The most people were watching ESPN, followed by ABC, uh, and, and then the NFL Network. NFL Network was the only one that showed a decrease in, in viewership from, from last year. And I don't have an actual reason for that, but I am looking at uh, single sports channels like MLB Network, uh, NFL Network, NHL Network, NBA TV. Uh, they're getting hurt by this cord-cutting trend uh, worse than these other channels like ESPN that's tied to um, to ABC and, and part of that Disney bundle. You know, the, So they have so much more leverage there. Where FS1, which is tied to uh, the Fox Broadcast Network and Fox News, and that has a lot more leverage there. One thing that I, I want to take a look at to see is the number of homes that the NFL and decrease over the last year by the same percentage that the, that the viewership did, because that might be a, a, a pretty uh, quick and easy answer on that one. Interesting. All right, my last one on the draft. This could have been my who's up. Uh, Laura Rutledge worked the draft. She's nine months pregnant. Uh, scouting report, gamer. I mean, that's impressive uh, to work the draft and work all the shows that she does with the NFL live crew, et cetera. Uh, and so uh, props to her and good luck um, with uh, her pregnancy and just working at nine months pregnant is, is very impressive. It will never cease to amaze me that the NFL draft, the first three rounds are on network TV. I know Fox did it first, then ABC, um, or maybe they did it the same year, but now it's ABC uh, and uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I get the I do get the first round uh, on broadcast TV, but yeah, that third round. I mean, that, like, who's heard of any of those names? Come on! But they've made it such a show. It's like uh, it's 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 pretty incredible. It really is. All right, topic two. The uh, we're deep into the NBA and NHL playoffs. Uh, you had Adam Silver as who's up, and I understand why. I mean, Boston and Philadelphia. What what a matchup that is. The New York Knicks are in uh, the playing play Miami. Any one of those go through, and Adam Silver is happy. So the East is is, is pretty much set. And you you uh, outlined in the West too, LeBron versus Steph and uh and one, and then Denver with Jokic, who was just so much fun to watch against the Suns. I know you you gave that to Denver, but at the time of this tape, it's still there's only two zero going back to Phoenix. Uh, but then and then they have Kevin Durant, who's an otherworldly player as well. I think the NBA is looking so good. And I'm glad that you mentioned this in your Who's Up because their media rights, of course, come up in 2025, a, a topic that we talk about all the time. And having these ratings that they're going to be getting and having these storylines that start bringing in the casual viewers is, uh, is really, really going to help. And you contrast that, Andrew, to, uh, to the NHL, which just lost the Boston uh, media market. Uh, it lost the uh, New York Rangers, uh, the most popular team in, in in New York City. And you have a Canadian uh, team in there, the Maple Leafs. You have a Florida team in there. The one thing, though, about the NHL is they don't have to worry for many, many years. I think their their TV deals end in 2027 with Turner and with the ESPN. And so, of course, they want to be able to uh, to, to get big ratings. But it is much more important for the NBA, considering when its deal ends, than for the NHL, which is still at the beginning part of its deal and still trying to grow its deal. I bet you Gary Bettman is very happy to have the Canadian teams doing as well as they're doing this early in the TV deal, as opposed to the year before. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and look, it, it does. 
last thing on this for me and question for you, really, does it feel bigger to you on ESPN slash Turner or when it was on NBC, it felt just as big or the same? I don't know. That, that, that's a good question. Uh, the thing about the National Hockey League to me is uh, that it, it's pretty close to baseball and being a very regional sport. And so you, you have regional fan bases that when their team loses, uh, a bunch of their fans stop watching as opposed to like the NBA you still watch the, the stars uh, sort of moving forward. And so on NBC, the Washington Capitals were the uh, uh, where I live, they would have the best record in the league. They would have, uh, you know, a playoff run, runs. They won the Stanley Cup. They had Alex Ovechkin. So it felt bigger to me just because of the market that I was in. But I would suspect to you, having the Rangers and the Devils and, and the, 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 it feels, you know, at least just as big, if not bigger, right now, right? The first round did because you had Devils, Rangers, you had Islanders in the playoffs as well. And so, you know, a lot of it is what we're doing on the back pages and also what's being talked about on WFAN and ESPN New York. And hockey's not really the main topic, right? The Yankees and Mets are, you know, number one along with football. Uh, Hockey kind of regular season, you're not going to get that much hockey on radio. uh, Or, you know, we we cover it every day, of course. uh, But it's not getting the back page unless they make a huge trade or something happens uh, really significant. Uh, But it did seem like, along with the Knicks right now, the center stage. And that's good for the Yankees because they're doing terrible. Uh, you, which you're liking, I'm sure. A great point you made is hockey is sort of like baseball. It's a national sport, but really the interest is regional. And I think you're right. Once the teams drop off, uh, you know, certain fan bases, they don't just stay with it, like maybe the NBA and definitely with the NFL. Topic three, Andrew. Uh, last week on this pod, we spent a lot of time talking about ESPN and the layoffs that uh, hit ESPN. Uh, we talked about Mike Soltis. We talked about uh, the head uh, communications executive over there. We talked about Russell Wolf, who uh, has been there for a long time and ran uh, ESPN Plus for a long time. But after we taped our pod, some more names uh, came out that hit one specific part of their business. Why don't you take that? Yeah, so this is exactly. So we we would be remiss. We've talked about this. I've written about it, just the de-emphasis on ESPN radio, even though I gave them props for their coverage of the draft. They really hit it hard locally with program directors, both in New York and LA, uh, a bunch of national people as well. And that's what we talk about. That's why it's tough and like the earth sort of moves because you could be doing a good job for 25 years. And then, you know, it's decided, which is their business decision, understandable in terms of, you know, for the business that, hey, we don't, we're not going to value radio as much. And so those 25 years don't mean anything at that point. So that makes it difficult if you work there. Um, And I heard a lot of feedback from people from ESPN in terms of, yeah, that's the right tone because that's how they feel um and so but the radio part of it and when you're looking forward like where you know uh the future i think that's a little you know they're gonna have radio i mean they're gonna have a core group they're gonna have national shows um and they still have interest in new york especially you know michael k who does afternoons has got a big new contract for to do a few more years on the radio he was thinking about retiring this kind of was starting a couple years ago when they changed from espn radio to espn audio so there's a more of an emphasis um, on the podcast game, even though they were a little bit late to podcasts, um, they could have probably had Bill Simmons running something like he, you know, created with the ringer if they'd gone that direction. Um, 
which they probably would have been better. But at that point, ESPN wasn't that interested in doubles and triples and only really wanted a home run. So if something didn't make, you know, something with a B or hundreds of millions of dollars, like, oh, we're not really that interested in it. And I think looking back, when you look at the local sites, which I was a part of, um, and what's gone on, like with The Athletic, for example, um, I think they would have been better positioned if they said, you know what, if we're going to have a business that's making 10, 20 million, let's add those singles and doubles up, you know, to to make up for um, which ended up being court cutting. And, you know, instead of a couple of billion dollars a month or whatever it was, now it's a little less than a billion dollars a month in terms of cable fees. And that's probably going down. Uh, it'd be better to have those doubles and signals. So uh, for radio, uh, yeah, that was tough to see in terms of uh, it got hit pretty hard. Yeah. And I just want to emphasize this one more time. Like, we're going to be talking about this again in one month because in June, there's another round of layoffs. Like the, 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 the idea that they're spreading this across, you know, uh, uh, several months, it's just something that still makes me scratch my head, Andrew. Yeah. So we'll be returning to that. All right, let's do some quick hitters before we get out of here. Sun's deal um, and the Mercury local uh, broadcast rights. Uh, John, you're all over that story. What's your take on this and what it means for the future? My take on this, Andrew, is that Semaphore Media was talking uh, talking about this deal. This is a deal that, that went well beyond the local market and went well beyond sports media. Great television and uh, Kizwe uh, are going, going to share the rights and uh, broadcast Suns games over broadcast TV and stream them on on the the Suns um, and the Mercury's websites as well and 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 their app, and this is the f- first move that a team has made to go away from an RSN, and it seems like a really big deal. First of all, it's good to be a billionaire and you have a billionaire owner that that can say no to the next two years of rights fees that uh, that Diamond Sports would have paid or or whatever. RSN is in that market would have paid them, which a lot of other team owners really want to have. But to me, you know, everything that Rob Manfred and Adam Silver have been saying about the RSNs moving forward is going to look like what this deal is. Nothing is going to be exclusive. So great television bought the rights for their stations in the Arizona markets, and they're going to share those rights also with Kizwe, which is going to stream them via the websites and, and the app. And I bet you that it's non-exclusive to such an extent that they can also sell them uh, you know, to, to uh, you know, in 2025 to ESPN for ESPN plus or Turner for Max or NBC for Peacock. And so the, the big takeaway that people should take from this is that rights locally are going to be non-exclusive. So you'll be able to see this in a lot more places and the revenue coming in to the teams is going to drop dramatically. I just want to say, just to emphasize, great point about it being great to be a billionaire. Um, that is a uh, good That's stuff. why people listen to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. Uh, maybe this is every week. All right, next topic, NASCAR. Um, you had some reporting on this as well. Uh, I've heard some things about it too, in terms of, you know, pretty good chance of Fox and NBC uh, getting a deal. And then, you know, I've kind of heard Amazon is the digital player potentially, but there's, you know, it's an open um, market. What do you, what do you see happening? What do you know? Fox, NBC are the incumbent uh, uh, broadcasters right now. The exclusive negotiating window that they had by their contract with NASCAR, it ended on Monday and on Monday and on Tuesday, NASCAR had a, a series of meetings with 
Apple TV Plus, with Amazon, with Google YouTube, with a lot of digital streamers uh, out there. Um, to, to, so what what's going to happen moving forward is you're going to have um, most likely a first half of the year on on Fox as is uh, last half of the year on uh, NBC and in the middle these uh, these midsummer races they're going to try to get these to a streamer and they want it to be exclusive and it's going to it's going to go to one streamer um, if I had to guess I would also guess that uh, Amazon is in the driver's seat to pick these up. But they're talking to everybody, and they expected uh, deals to at least have handshakes on these deals toward the end of June. Hopefully, it's not a Pac-12 type deadline. <laughs> the movable deadline, movable, exactly. The moving line. All right. All right. Coming up this weekend, we got the run for the roses. Kentucky Derby. Do you bet on the Kentucky Derby, Andrew? I don't. I don't I'm not a big betting guy. Maybe I'll get a account soon, but I've never really been a big betting guy. So I don't. You do? Oh no! I I, I just uh, I do do it with the family. We we all pick our horses in the. Oh the, yeah, I've done the, that before. Yeah, I've done that before. I thought you meant like placing a bet on like FanDuel or something or DraftKings. Yeah, Kentucky Derby this weekend. Uh, the interesting point about the coverage is uh, NBC slash Peacock are gonna be on for seven and a half hours. That's like more than a Super Bowl uh, in terms of a pregame, and then the I guess when you count the actual Super Bowl, it'd be longer with the actual game being a little longer. But but the it shows how you can super serve and how they're able, you know, it comes down to advertising. Like they're not doing this unless they can sell this. Um, but there's a lot of pageantry with the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and so they really, they're going all in uh, for seven and a half hours of coverage. It's a niche sport, but the Kentucky Derby is not a niche event, right? It's the granddaddy. They have never done that before in terms of that length of time. So uh, interesting thing that NBC has decided to do with there with that and with the broadcast and with Peacock. Yeah, it does make sense. Be also because the Kentucky Derby, as you know, is not just one race; it's a whole day of races at the at, at the track. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be, you know, showing that at, at those races as well as they lead lead into the big one. Hundred percent. All right, Andrew. Before we go, the last topic: you saved Mel Kiper's career. I gotta hear this. Did you write something nice about him? What happened? I don't know. I'd have to look up exactly when it was, but it must have been. Early two thousand, definitely was the early two thousands. What year? I'm not positive on. Um, and I got Mark Shapiro on the phone. He was the head of ESPN, making the decisions. And uh, ESPN and Kuiper were in a really heated contract negotiation. And Shapiro said on the record that they're done. Mel Kuiper is done at ESPN. Okay, so I call up. I had Kuiper's number. I call up Kuiper, um, and I said, Mel, I just got off the phone with Mark Shapiro. Uh, he said that contract negotiations are over, that, you, you know, you're not taking, there's a big disagreement about how many appearances you need to make on like ESPN radio, because it does become endless. If you start doing those and you have to say yes to all of them, I think he wanted to limit. That was part of it. I'm sure there's some financial things as well. Anyways, Kuiper was represented at least at that time by his wife. Um, and so I get on the phone with him. I felt like, you know, I tell him this news, which obviously is a little bit awkward, but I, you know, wanted to give him a chance to say whatever he wanted to say. And he called for his wife. And at that point, I didn't know his wife was his agent. So it was just sort of weird. Like I'm talking to Mel Kiper and he's like, you know, whatever his wife's name He's like, yeah, you know, so she picked up and so we talked and she said, I, we don't know about this. Yada, yada. So that's like on like a Thursday or Friday that comes out. Rudy Martsky on Monday writes something because there was like an uproar. Like people were calling into ESPN. They wanted Mel Kuyper to stay. Martsky wrote something in USA Today and Shapiro reversed it. He kept Kuyper. Um, and 
Mel Kuyper now, Seth Markman, uh, the producer on the NFL studio show, says he should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, he might have ended up on NFL Network. You know, Mel Kuyper is an institution, but um, I think I, I, I quasi-saved his job. If Mel Kuyper goes into the Hall of Fame, you better be on that dais with him. Maybe not introducing him, but you better be on that dais. I remember when Shapiro told me that. He was like, you hear things, and, you know, and uh, you're like, oh, all right. I wasn't, you know, this is a big story. And uh, yeah, I kind of don't like I don't see it. Like, I would get rid of Mel Kuyper. Um, but now he's, you know, obviously not going anywhere. Uh, 40 years he's been doing that. So uh, props to Mel Kuyper. Got my who's down, but overall, who's up? I'm not your Hall of Fame. I, I have to think about that um, if he's a Hall of Famer or not. Yeah, I have no opinion on the Hall of Fame, but it, it brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Marchand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Chris Mason for the uh, uh, for, for producing AC Wyatt as well. Please like and subscribe, Andrew. I got to tell you that uh, Apple Podcast comments. Uh, we have big. Benelli, who says very clearly, more Orioles. People are clamoring. They want more Orioles talk. Thank you, Big Benelli. I'll try to do it. And with that, we need some outcues. See you, everybody. And Andrew, we'll talk NFL, ESPN, MLB, NASCAR, and more on the Marshand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I do it one more time. Just the end. You just seem a little unsure what this podcast is called. I know. What did you pick up on that? I thought I baked it. Well, <laughs> uh.